You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Bezras Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the Balshem Tov HaKadosh after a small hiatus of a, of a few weeks, maybe a month. And Bezras Hashem, we're going to try and pick up where we left off. One of the animating features of most of the Shirim that we've given about the Balshem Tov is that the light of the Balshem Tov was not simply a new understanding of the Torah, but it was a new revelation of how we can understand the Torah. Meaning to say that the Baal Shem Tov was a light that came into this world. As we're told by the Tzadikim that Alisa Lamarum Veshivisa Shevi, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim and he received that which was captive and he brought it down to the Jewish people, the Kamarna Rebbe points out, and the Ramchal also points this out with regards to the Arizal, that Shevi is Roshetev Shimon Bar Yochai and it's also Rishetivas Yisrael Baal Shem. Meaning to say that the Nisham of the Baal Shem Tov and Hiskalis, the revelation of the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov that came down into this world, was not something that was in accordance with the historical progression of ideas. But rather it was a dilug, it was a leap. It was something that was quantum. It was a paradigmatic shift wherein that which existed prior to the Baal Shem Tov and that which existed after the Baal Shem Tov was of an entirely different nature. And one of the elements in which this comes out most clearly is the Baal Shem Tov's conception of unity, the Baal Shem Tov's conception of divine unity in all things, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not only Mamala Kol Almin, that it's not just that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills all worlds and sustains all of existence. And it's not only that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Soivev Kol Almin, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu surrounds all worlds in his transcendent essence, so to speak, that gives room for existence, but rather what we need to hold in our consciousness at every moment is leis asar panimine, that there is absolutely nothing devoid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And with this, with this nakuda, we were able to understand in the original shirim that we had given a few weeks ago or a month ago, the Baal Shem Tov's conception of where you think is where you are, because ultimately the true essence of existence is the annihilating presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinitude. And therefore all concealment or all withdrawal or all tzimtzum or all constriction or all difficulty is nothing but an achizas enayim, an imaginative perception of a world that is rooted in concealment as the Svarim HaKadoshim tell us that oilam, that this world is melashon he'elem, is from the same root word as concealment almost as if there is an equivalency between the concept of concealment and the concept of existence. That existence itself is a byproduct of the concealment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when a person with their machshavos, through their chachma itself, when a person is capable of aligning their minds with the true nature of existence, 
with the true nature of the infinite and annihilating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then immediately yispardu then immediately by way of our thinking, our awareness, our thoughts, our emotions at that moment, we dictate the nature of reality. And from there we saw that the Baal Shem Tov teaches us that what is the main way through which a person should be mitmoded, through which a person should face this world, what is the mode of awareness, the mode of consciousness, so to speak, that a person must work on, cultivate, in order to access this infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light, this presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which subsumes and surrounds and annihilates all difference. So that is what we refer to as the equanimity of the Baal Shem Tov. The Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tomet, I place HaKadosh Baruch Hu in front of me always. And the Baal Shem Tov taught us not to read Shivisi as I place, but Shivisi Melashon Hishta'avus, that Shivisi comes from a language of equanimity. That when a person allows themselves to look at their experience, bein letav, bein lebish, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's ayil, whether a person is ascending upwards or whether it's nafak, whether it's a person is descending downwards, whether it's an act of rutso where a person is running, surging forward to meet the infinite, or whether it's a shove, whether a person is retreating backwards in the frightening awareness of the infinite, either way, whatever the experience is, a person needs to take a deep breath and needs to recognize that wherever I am is exactly where I am supposed to be. And that is exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from me. In that way, a person allows themselves to be okay in their encounters with the world. Because prior to this concept of hishta'avus, of equanimity, so a Jewish individual or the neshama can hope for things to be okay expect for things to be okay, daven for things to be okay. But if things turn out to be not okay, then a person encounters tzibrachinkait, brokenness, sadness, anxiety, depression, darkness. But what the Baal Shem Tov's teaching of hishta'avus, of equanimity is, of this notion of radical acceptance of that which is in front of us, even when things are not okay, they're okay. Because the light of my mind, the or hasechel, the or of the chachma of my mind, where my neshama rests, has the capacity to see that even that which is not okay is also okay. And that light of hishta'avus, that sees no distinction between good, bad, ugly, beautiful, up, down, right, left, is the mechanism through which an individual can access that infinite presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all things. And then we spoke about the ethical expression that comes out of such a radical conception of yichud. And again, when I say radical, it's not, God forbid, that the Baal Shem Tov was mechadesh something, it's that the Baal Shem Tov revealed that which was concealed. The Baal Shem Tov did not create these concepts, God forbid. The Baal Shem Tov was given permission to reveal these teachings based on the teachings of the Arizal, based on the teachings of Rishim Bayochai, based on the teachings of Moshe Rabbeinu. As the tzaddik Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita points out so often, to disconnect or to separate the light of the Baal Shem Tov from the light of the Arizal and the light of Rashbi is to create a period, is to create a separation in all worlds. A person must have the Amuna Shalema, 
that when a person learns the words of the Baal Shem Tov, they're also encountering the, the teachings of the Arizal, which are also the teachings of Rashbi, which are also the teachings of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not that the Baal Shem Tov was some renegade revolutionary who decided, God forbid, that new ideas needed to be utilized in order to awaken the unconscious spirit, which has found itself buried in the mud of hopelessness and anxiety, but rather the neshama of the Baal Shem Tov, the ore of the Sheshis and Mebereshis, the light of the seven days of creation, descended into this world at the particular time when it was necessary for that which was concealed to be revealed. The ethical dimension of this, we said, was the awareness that everything we see in the world, every encounter we have in the world with something that is other than ourselves, as we are forced out of our solipsistic self-sufficiency, wherein we feel we are the center of the universe, or as Rabbi Nachman describes in the teaching in between the first and second volume of Lakuti Maharan of Echad Haya Avraham, that Avraham Avinu was unified, and the sense that true Avodas Hashem the true awareness of God in this world is only born out of a sense of solitude, out of a sense that I am the only one in existence and everybody else is periphery to me. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that we have to encounter the other through the same lens. We have to be aware that when I see something ugly, when I see something abject, when I see something frightening, when I see something that rubs me the wrong way, that makes my neshama squirm, instead of projecting onto the other person and claiming that that's their problem and it's something that other people do, which allows me to rest self-satisfied in my superiority complex, what the Baal Shem Tov came to teach is that instead of resting separate from the other person's problem, I need to recognize that the ugliness that I see in the other is reflective of an ugliness within me because there is nothing in this world that I encounter there's nothing in existence, the past, the present, or the future of each and every individual's life that is not contained within the purview of the hashkacha pratis down to the smallest experience of our lives. If I see something, it is important for me, and I was meant to see it that way. That was contained within the original thought of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, at the beginning of creation. So when I encounter ugliness or brokenness, my job is to unify with it. My job is to learn how to be empathic towards it. My job is to recognize the deep-seated unity that exists at the heart of it, as the Tzemach Tzedak points out in his Sefer Derech Secha, in the mitzvah of the in a profound way. And as the Rebbe Rashab points out in Sefer HaMa'amarim Tav Reish Nun Tes, in Ma'amar Hichaltsu, where the Rebbe Rashab, based on the teachings of the Tzemach Tzedek, based on the teachings of the Baal Hatanya, based on the teachings of the Magid, which is based on the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, that a sense of love and unity between one Jew to another is not simply some ethical gesture, but rather it is rooted in the deepest ontological unity that exists within the recesses of creation. That I need to love the other not because it's some ethical gesture, but because we are deeply unified to the deepest level of unity. What I want to discuss tonight, Bezra Sashem, is the pushback that was experienced as the result of the Holy Baal Shem Tov revealing such a profound level of unity. Such a profound level of unity that allowed us to really recognize that wherever I am, whatever I'm experiencing, 
and translate it into modern sensibilities, whatever distance I feel in my life, whatever concealment I encounter when I look at what is taking place on the outside of the world, or when I look at what is taking place within myself, or when I perceive the inequities of the self or the deficiencies of the self. The Baal Shem Tov gave us glasses. He gave us eyes to truly look and see that kulo hafach lavan, that everything is good. Everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yispardu kol to uncover the alufo shel that exists within everything. So if a person were to take the Baal Shem Tov's teachings far enough, a person could chalila come to think that there is nothing that is off limits in this world, that there is nothing that is too far removed from the purview of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity. And if that's the case, then everything is permitted, so to speak. A heretical sentiment that runs down to the very core of what Achdus and Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu means. And we see, as certain Sadiqim have pointed out, historically speaking, that there was a necessary pushback against some of the individual interpretations of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. Because with such a potent level of unity being revealed, with such a light being revealed, it was possible to say that there's nothing outside of the purview of holiness and therefore everything is permitted. And there was chas v'shalom, the possibility of saying that the typical halachos that dictate right versus wrong, darkness versus light, holiness versus impurity, should be nullified, so to speak, in the face of this radical blazing sense of unity that the Holy Baal Shem Tov came to reveal. Something that rubs against the very essence of what the Baal Shem Tov came to teach us. And so historically speaking, we find that there was a hisnagdus. There was a pushback against the light of the Baal Shem Tov and its historical interpretation. One of the manifestations of this pushback was Revelyahu Kramer's Chusiyaganalinu, the Vilnagon, the Gra, one of the Tzadike Hadoros, one of the most significant teachers of Torah who has ever existed in this world. The Vilnagon, who was referred to quite literally as a Goin, rep re representative of the fact that he was not part of this generation. He came from a place truly distant truly ne'etak, removed from the historical purview in which he found himself. And it was the Vilna Gon who pushed back against this unlimited unity that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was trying to point out. Now, whether it is through the random readings of the Vilna Gon in terms of Tzimtzum, or whether it was simply the socio-cultural criticism that the Vilna Gon offered connected certain trends in Hasidus, the way certain Sadiqim choose to view this, Rav Hutner and different Sadiqim of Rav Hutner's generation, as well as Rav Kook's and contemporary Sadiqim as well, they see that the Vilna Gon's derech was not chas v'shalom to be misnaged against the light of the Baal Shem Tov, but it was to ensure that the Baal Shem Tov's light would remain within the proper vessels that it needed to remain in, and not to, God forbid, go further than what the Baal Shem Tov meant. This is very similar to any dynamic where in chesed, which is an overgrowth of expression, where things move forward like Avram Avinu and his loving kindness, which made room for everything, in order for Avram Avinu's loving kindness to be mitigated in a healthy way, there needed to be the Gugura of Yitzchak, 
there needed to be the constriction and the limitation of Yitzhak Avinu, which says, Ad kan tavo, don't go any further. There needs to be limitation. This was the interrelationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilized to create the world. In the beginning, there was only Midas Adin, and then there was Midas Arachamim. It was the relationship that the Kohanim had with the Leviim. Kohanecha leish chasidecha, that the Kohen is representative of Chesed, and the Leviim, the Shoimrim of the Kohanim, were there to ensure that the Avoida of the Kohanim did not go outside of its prescribed space. That was the Avoida on a certain level of the Vilnagon, to push back against this unlimited expression of unity that was revealed through the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. One way that I wanted to phrase this kind of interrelationship, and there are many, many ways that our tzaddikim see the relationship between the Baal Shem Tov and the Vilnagon. There's the idea that it's Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef, that it's Torah and that it's Tefillah, that it's the parts of, of Zer Anpin and the parts of, of Malchus, Torah Shebechsah versus Torah Shebalpeh, Eretz Yisrael versus Chutz Laaretz, Yerushalmi versus Bavli. There's many, many different ways through which one can conceive the historiographical interpretation of this Hisnagdus that the Vilnagon had towards the Baal Shem Tov. One way that I wanted to phrase it in modern sensibilities is that when you come to a chasana, when a person sees a wedding, so the chasana and kala after the chuppah go to a cheder hayichud. The cheder hayichud is the place of unity. It's the place where the true love is recognized and there's unity that annihilates any sense of separation. But the cheder hayichud, that place of yichud needs to be guarded by the shoimer by the shomer ha'yichud, someone who ensures that those who are not allowed to enter into that place of yichud must remain outside. Throughout history, throughout the history of the unfolding of the infinite Torah, through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself in existence and into our hearts and into our minds, we are always going to find this binary opposition between the cheder ha'yichud, the place of unity, and the shomer ha'yichud, the guard who ensures that those who are not allowed to enter do not enter in. Because when unity, when the secrets of yichud are revealed in such a way that they are not properly understood, as Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern Shlita points out so often the name of the bris menucha, the word keser, that lofty level of yichud, is the same letters as kares, is the same letters as being cut off. Because if a person misappropriates or misunderstands the true secrets of unity, so they can come, God forbid, to say everything is permissible, and they could negate the necessity of limitation, which serves and works in unison with the unlimited. And therefore, the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov's light was forced to constrict itself. It was forced to acknowledge its boundaries. And the teaching that we're going to be speaking about tonight is from within the Baal Shem Tov itself, from within the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov itself, an expression of the need for limitation, for the need of constriction, and for the recognition that everything is not permitted. And that even in the world of unadulterated Yichud Hashem, 
where we become aware that everything is part of Hashem's process and there's nothing bad. There's no bad, there's no difficulty, there's nothing ugly, everything is beautiful. When a person is capable of settling the mind and experiencing that shavisi Hashem lenegdi tamid, and a person draws down alufa shal oilam into the world, and a person sees HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every experience that they have. Nevertheless, there's a deep need for clarification as well. And the way that the Baal Shem Tov expresses this idea is a three-stage process. The Baal Shem Tov introduces an idea referred to as Hachna'a, Havdala, and Hamtaka. Hachna'a, Havdala, and Hamtaka. Submission or suppression, which is Hachna'a, making oneself smaller. Havdala, which is the act of separation. And Hamtaka, which is the act of sweetening. And what we're going to see tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, that the Baal Shem Tov's prescription, that any moment of Avodah Sashem, any experience that a person has, before running to the annihilating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is present there, a person must first go through this process of Hachna'a, submission, Havdala, separation, and Hamtaka, sweetening. Before we can properly understand the Lashon of the Baal Shem Tov, like we said before, we have to introduce ourselves to a concept that we've discussed in many shirim in the past, in particular when learning through the, the Torah of the Lashem Shabbat V'achalayim Is that after the Tzimtzum, after HaKadosh Baruch Hu constricted his infinite light and allowed for existence to take shape and allowed for the apparent concealment of godliness to take form into this world, there was a renewed expression of light. HaKadosh Baruch Hu attempted to re-enter, not attempted, HaKadosh Baruch Hu re-expressed his light. But the kalim, the vessels at that stage of existence were not able to contain that light and they shattered. It was a constitutive trauma, a deliberate shattering that allowed for existence to take shape. That's what we refer to as shvirat hakalim, the shattering of the vessels. And what Shvirat HaKelem created for us was that our experience and our world and this worldliness is a deferred level of experience. That everything we encounter in this world, every moment of experience, whether it's in thought, whether it's in speech or whether it's in action, whether it's between ourselves, between other people or between us and God, every moment that we encounter is one that is not in its right place, that is in the wrong place, that is deferred, and is in need of rectification and clarification. So what the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us is that if all of existence is the residual effects of the shattering of the vessels, all of existence is those broken parts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light in this world, those residual lights, those echoes of some ancient presence, our job is to elevate and rectify and purify and rebuild those vessels. So we're faced with a paradox in terms. Everything is unified, yet everything is broken. So the question that the Baal Shem Tov wants to answer is how do we move from everything being broken towards revealing that everything is truly unified in its core? And the answer that the Baal Shem Tov offers to this is this three-stage process of hachna'a, havdala, and hamtaka, submission, separation, and sweetening. 
to the extent that the Kamarna Rebbe in Zayhar Chai and Parshas Barashas says that these three stages of Hachna'a, Havdala, and Hamtaka, of submission, separation, and sweetening, contain within themselves the entirety of the Kabbalah of the Arizal. And Rav Meyer Morgenstern and his Talmud Mufek, Rav Shmuel Ehrenfeld Shlita, they've expressed very clearly how the entire corpus of the Arizal can be charted and mapped on to these three coordinates of Hachna'a, Havdala, and Hamtaka. But what we're going to be talking about tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, is on a simple level what it means. How do we encounter experience in this world? What is the way, what is the path through which we can encounter that which is broken, that which is shattered, that which is ugly, that which is disgusting, that which is frightening and anxiety producing? And how can we uncover the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that rests hidden deep within the recesses of that experience? So the first teaching that I want to look at is going to be in Keser Shem Tov. <clears throat> and this is going to be Torah Kuf Samech, the 160th teaching in the Kahas edition of Keser Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov says as follows, Be your Soid Aleph Beis. This is the secret of the Aleph Beis. Everything is contained within the Aleph Beis. Rav Menach Mendel of Shklov teaches us that there is nothing that we learn that is not the Aleph base. All of our knowledge is just different permutations of the Aleph base to the extent that what we learned in the womb is everything that we will ever come to know throughout our experience, which sheds light on the fact that the Balshem, the, the Vilnagon, when his Cheder Rebbe came to town, the Vilnagon stood up because he said, this person taught me the Aleph base. This person taught me everything that I know. And we also know from the story of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, which we tell over, which Hasidim tell over, or those who are aspiring to be Hasidim tell over on Shvi Shal Pesach, that when the Baal Shem Tov tried to travel to Eretz Yisrael, and he experienced the Katnus Shebet Katnus HaMoichin, being thrown and spit out from all holiness, Kavyachol, that the only thing that he was capable of remembering was the Aleph base. And by saying the Aleph Beis, he rejuvenated itself. He encountered once again the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in this world. Like we said in the introductory shir that the Baal Shem Tov teaches us that every letter contains Eilamais, Neshamais, Ve'eloikus. Every letter contains worlds, souls, and godliness within them because the part is equal to the whole. Bior Sod Aleph Beis, the explanation of the secret of the Aleph Beis, and how a person needs to engage every word with hachna'a, havdala, and hamtaka. That a person needs to approach every letter, every word, every experience, every moment of existence, every feeling, every thought through this three-stage process of hachna'a, havdala, vehamtaka. And the Baal Shem Tov continues and he says as follows. He says, Ki ois Aleph, the letter Aleph is the secret of the Pella, because Aleph and Pella are the same osios. The Pella, the wonder, means how it's possible for the infinitude of Akadosh Baruch Hu to manifest itself with infinitude, and how finitude can become a receptacle for the infinite light of Akadosh Baruch Hu without either one of them erasing themselves. In other words, how it could be that a person can find themselves face to face with the deepest, darkest, existential 
antinomies of existence and all of the tzibrachenkeit and all of the anxiety, yet nevertheless, within that very moment, there's the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu animating it. How could it be that these two elements interact together? It's a pella, it's a wonder. This is a secret of Aleph, of Alufel Shel Oilam. This is the secret of the wondrous capacity of the infinite to manifest infinitude without either negating themselves. And then the Aleph comes along, which is two Alephs, and then three Alephs in the Ois Gimel and Viter, Ad Ois Tuf, the Dalid Meis Alfin until a person arrives at the lowest degraded letter of the Aleph base, which is 400 layers of concealment of that original Aleph. And as these letters descend away from that supernal light of the Pella Elyon down into that tough, which is our experiences, it's a removal and a separation away from the annihilating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and from the vitality that gives birth to everything until it's garbed within klipos, within severity, within difficulty. And each person has to understand that klipa means what it means to each and every one of us. Lev yodea maras nafsho. Each individual understands what to be in klipa means, what to be in concealment means, what to be afraid means, what to be anxious means, what to feel doubt means, what to feel lost means. That's what klipa means for us. Ad malchus sheba malchus, to the lowest irreducible expression of this worldliness. Shesham machshavos zoros, which is where those anxious thoughts emerge from, where those foreign thoughts emerge from, where a person is no longer aware of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when a person comes to remember that the Shechina is here, even in the concealment, that the light of HaKadosh Baruch is present, even in this distortion and the separation and the anxiety and the fear and the difficulty and the forlornness and the lack of peace and the fighting and the self-doubt, and the low self-esteem and all of the different things that make us afraid of ourselves. When a person remembers that the spark of godliness is concealed within the filth of the klipois, a person trembles a deep tremble. A person is terrified. A person is overwhelmed with the awareness that Hashem is here also with me and I just didn't know it. And at that point, all separation and all inequity is separated and the unity is revealed. This the unification between fear and awe. What it means on a psychological level for us on modern terms, at least as Rabbi Nachman says, according to the Nakuda in my heart, uh, through which I'm speaking right now, the yichud of yira and noira is the recognition that all fall in fear in this world, all anxiety in this world, all discomfort, all lack and deficiency and doubt, and all of those things that give birth to the possibility of anxiety are truly rooted in the noira, in the, the awe that we experience from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that the filth we find ourselves stuck in is in truth rooted in the loftiest places. And we clarify that rectified spark. 
And we connect ourselves by way of ascending out of the stuckness up towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu by way of running and returning. And it's a redemption from being stuck. It's freeing oneself from mental slavery for none but ourselves can free our mind. And the Baal Shem Tov continues, This is what it means to make oneself smaller, to submit, to suppress. When a person exists in the world and they find themselves stuck, we need to make ourselves smaller and say to ourselves, right now all that is present is the Shechina, all that is present is Kedusha. And then when we've been able to make ourselves smaller, we realize that the darkness in our lives is something we can separate ourselves from. It's not us. We have removed ourselves from the darkness. And once we've removed ourselves and distanced ourselves enough from the problem, we can now separate ourselves from the problem. We realize that those things which we have become so accustomed to living with, those burdens which break our backs and make our breath shortened and make our eyesight dim and make our hearts thud in the night, all of those things which we thought were part and parcel of who we are, we come to realize that we can let it go. It's baggage, and if it's baggage, we can put it down. And that's the secret of the Havdalah, which is the Hafrid Haklipos, to separate ourselves from that garbage. And then the level of Hamtaka is to come to the level that this darkness, this concealment, this severity, this difficulty was only so that I can come and reveal that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here also. And by doing that, I elevate the darkness that I experienced to a place of holiness because it has now allowed me to recognize that the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there also. V'shamar klal gadol. And remember this klal very well. What the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us, Lufianias Daiti, is that when a person encounters a problem in their life, an anxiety in their life, a darkness in their life, a concealment in their life, a feeling of stuckness in their life, there's no separation between me and the problem. And all I see is the ostaf, all I see is the klipos of the klipos, and I see darkness and concealment. But if I make myself small enough, if I suppress the issue, if I can separate myself from the issue for but a moment, and I can say perhaps these are just thoughts and not the essence of existence, at that point I make the problem smaller. Once I make the problem smaller, I am then able to separate myself from it. I'm then able to say that the problem and me are not unified. We are two separate entities. And I can separate myself from the subjective issue and I can look at it objectively. And once I have freed myself from that subjective intoxication with the anxiety of the self, at that point, I can be mamtik zain. I can elevate everything. I can take the darkness and the concealment and the severity and the chaos and all of the filth that we see on a day-to-day -day basis. And I can bring it back to Hashem and say, Hashem, you thought you could trick me. You thought I thought I would think this was an ice tough. You thought that I thought this was malchus malchus that stuck in klipa, but I'm telling you, Akadush Baruch Hu, that I see the Pela Elyon hidden within the recesses of this experience. I see the wondrous unity of Akadush Baruch Hu that annihilates all separation, hidden within the very nature of separation itself. And by taking the tough back up to the Aleph, we reveal, as Ravitra Maya Morgenstern Shlita teaches us so often, the Taisafes Kishut, 
that the darkness itself was just there so that we can experience HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a deeper way. <clears throat> the other teaching that I want to look at right now, where the Baal Shem Tov teaches this as well, is in Keser Shem Tov, Ches Aleph. There's two Chafcheses in Keser Shem Tov, and this one is going to be Chafches Aleph. <clears throat> and this is a taich that the Baal Shem Tov is making on the Arizal's Kavanas of Mila. And the kavana of circumcision, an act of cutting away for the sake of revealing, an act of severity that appears to be dark and difficult for the sake of actually being misgala something, removal that is an expression, a concealment that is a disclosure, darkness that is in truth a revelation of light. The kabalti mimairi, I received, says the Toldos Yaakov Yosef, from my Rebbe the Bashemtov, the secret of hachna'a, havdala, and amtaka the secret of suppression or submission, separation and sweetening, which is necessary at every moment of a person's existence. These three stages of experience of removing myself from the problem, making myself separate from the problem so that I can actually separate myself from the issue, so that I can look at it objectively and elevate it up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is necessary everywhere. And there's a secret here in parentheses. I don't have permission to speak too deeply about these matters. And the Baal Shem Tov says, this is the secret of chash and mal. This is the secret of chashmal. This is the secret of the garment of light, which all human beings experience. A person needs to learn how to be silent before they can speak. A person needs how to learn to sit with the darkness, to sit with the difficulty before we're capable of revealing the light within the difficulty. Because only by experiencing the difficulty and revealing the light within the difficulty are we then capable of showing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here also. A person has to be silent before they speak and cut away the klipos. And once we cut away the klipos, at that point, we can speak about the experience we're having and say, Hashem, you're here also. This is the secret of tefillah, as my Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, explained to me, which is why the tzaddikim are referred to as machatzte chakla which we discussed in Ois Zayin in the Shiram on Reish Milin, that to access Kedusha, it's not enough to believe in Kedusha. We have to first cut away the darkness. A person who wants to encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu first has to enter into those darker tunnels, those darker areas in their lives of concealment, of brokenness, of silence, of the inability to speak, of death bringing speak of the suffocation of the self. And it's only by moving through that experience that a person can come to remove from their mind those anxiety-producing thoughts. And at that point, the person is capable of pruning away the concealment and revealing the Kedusha by first making ourselves smaller, making it clear to ourselves that we are not the problem. The problem that I feel so strongly is not who I am. Once I separate myself from the problem, I can cut the problem away and identify it. And once I can identify it, then I can look at it and elevate it. I can realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there as well. And this is the secret of Chashmal. 
This is the secret of silence and then speech because hash implies silence. Silence is the stage where we're no longer able to speak because there's too much concealment in our lives. Then there is a moment of mal. Mal, which is the lushan of mila, means cutting away. Once I'm silent in the face of difficulty, once I nullify myself, once I make myself smaller and realize that I am not my problem, I can no longer identify myself with the negativity that I see in the world or that I see in myself, then I have the ability to be mal, to separate myself from it. And once I've been able to separate myself from that darkness, and I see that that darkness is simply another way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself in the world, I can then be mamtik it. I can then mal, I can then speak about it. I can say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're found here also. This necessity of moving into the darkness for the sake of revealing the light afterwards is at the heart of the Balshem Tov Zavoda. Because if a person were to run straight to the light, then God forbid we wouldn't go through the process of birurim. We wouldn't have the experience of forcing ourselves to clarify the difficulty or the negativity. It's only by moving through the negativity upwards towards the positivity that we have the capacity of revealing the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To end, I want to just look at two more Makairas. A story that I think represents this Nakuda very powerfully goes as follows. <clears throat> Once while the Bashantov was smoking his pipe to prepare for tefillah, it occurred to him that he was acting wrongly by lighting his pipe with a candle made from non-kosher fat. Although one is forbidden to each such fat, one may derive other benefits from it, such as using it for candles, but it can't be used for Shabbos candles. The Balshemtov felt that for some that for someone on his spiritual level, perhaps it was impermissible to use such a candle to light his pipe. After all, he was using his pipe to prepare for davening. He even recited a blessing over his pipe smoking. He decided, however, that now was not the time to be worrying about this, since he was preparing for tefillah. His only purpose should be to focus his mind on divine service. Yet he cannot get the matter out of his mind. He tried many techniques to clear his mind, but nothing worked. He kept thinking that perhaps he should not be lighting his pipe with a candle of non-kosher fat. When he realized that he was being prevented from preparing for tefillah, he jumped up and he swore that from now on, he would always light his pipe from a candle of non-kosher fat. And indeed, from then on, the Baal Shem Tov always lit his pipe with a candle of non-kosher fat. When he spoke to his students later on in between Mincha and Marev, he said, I could have sworn never to use a candle of forbidden fat, but that would not have solved the problem. The usual impulse of someone who wants to be more pious is to become more ascetic, to deprive themselves of something. They think that being more holy means separating oneself from this world. As their fear of sin becomes even stronger, they constantly worry that they are somehow transgressing and they steadily narrow the scope of their activity in this world. They refuse to eat at this or that place or associate with this or those people or let their children befriend these or those other people. Their world goes smaller and smaller. Finally, a person becomes like a rabbi I once met who sat in his chair almost the whole Shabbos with his arms at his sides and legs tucked in fear of touching something muksa or stepping on an ant. The avoid of the Baal Tov was to teach us how to be machnia difficulty, how to separate ourselves from the issue and look at it objectively, and how to be mamtiket, how to elevate it. It would have been too easy to just say, I'm never going to experience this thing again. 
but then the Baal Shem Tov would not have been able of encountering the light that exists within that concealment. And by elevating that light of concealment to a practice that he was going to engage in, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh was teaching us that we can find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu wherever we look. When it comes to Hachna, Havdal, and Hamtaka, it's an act of separating oneself long enough from the problem so that the problem is mitigated, it's reduced, it's made smaller than the obsessional thoughts that we typically have with regards to the problem. Once we can minimize the problem to a manageable bite-sized part of experience, we're then able to separate ourselves from it, to engage with the birurim, to clarify that which is acceptable and that which is not acceptable, that which is necessary and that which is unnecessary. And then we have the capacity to be a mom ticket, to elevate everything back upwards to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Be'ezer Sashem, through the teachings, through the through-stage teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, of Hachna, Havdalah, and Hamtaka, of submitting oneself, making oneself smaller so that the problem is not so overwhelming, separating oneself from the problem so that I recognize that what I thought was myself, what I thought was the burden that I needed to carry all along is in truth baggage. And if it's baggage, I can also put it down. And once I put it down, I can elevate it back up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say that you thought you were tricking me by being stuck in concealment. I'm showing you HaKadosh Baruch Hu that concealment itself is revelatory of you. And Be'ezer Sashem will continue next week with the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov in terms of the Baal Shem Tov's approach to Hashgacha Pratis. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.